the funny thing was that Dan, you're like you're the last person in that room that needs a microphone. Like I, I like the 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 mic thing is new this year with these with these podium press conferences, and I think it's probably for, for like TV folks and for video to like feed feed into it so it sounds good. But <laughs> they t- they handed that microphone to you on Monday, and it was like the voice of God in the back of the room. Yeah, and I I think it's because they have some softer spoken people in that room who, who don't. Yeah, like I I didn't think, although I I'm a bad judge of this as evidenced by I don't know. There's a lot of documented evidence of me not being great at controlling the volume of my voice. But the I, Luke, da- the Luke Deal interview, we're gonna go back to that one. Yeah, or or. Well, that was that was a technical problem. Often it's <laughs> often it's my fault. You but, can blame the technology on that one. Yeah, and that one, this I, one. That one I forgot to push the button on. But gotta but the, love uh, that technology, folks. Uh, the uh, no, I I I was handed the microphone, and I, I maintained that the issue was more that the microphone volume was turned way up. I'm I'm gonna throw someone else under the bus here. Although I do want to thank uh, Auburn for the access we've gotten so far. Oh, like if, if if I throw someone under the bus for the microphone thing, I, I want to also say thanks for. Think we can blame Riley for it. I don't even know. Yeah. If Riley, was Riley even in there? Riley was not there this morning, but but it's uh, but he's been there uh, quite a bit. Our We're going to blame Riley for it. Our old pal Riley Hubbard. Yeah, he needs to uh, uh, old old fix it. Felix, my 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 buddy, uh, Riley Hubbard is uh, he's gonna gonna have to get that one. Get no no. It was uh, uh the. Yeah, the mic the microphone turned turned way up, Justin. I don't know if we're gonna play it for the people, but it was We need to play it for the people. Everyone right now, listen to Dan Peck giving Ron Roberts the voice of God to answer to ask a question uh in Monday's press conference. Uh, what what have you seen uh, what have you seen out of the linebackers uh, so far uh, in, in camp? Yep. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Tuesday morning quarterback edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Dan Peck, also in Auburn, Alabama, coming through with the golden voice, sometimes from the heavens, other times amongst us mere mo- mortals. Oh, I, almost said, I almost got through that without an error. Dan, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm not always loud and clear, but I'm loud. All right, so it's uh, no, it's 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 great to talk to you. Uh, congratulations! Let's get let's get Thank that you. out of the way uh, first and foremost. Uh, su- super happy uh, for everyone involved, and and yeah, we'll want to say what's up to all the uh, to, to the whole pack pack out there uh, as well as we uh, as we get closer to the season. Yeah, I really appreciate everybody uh, who uh, reached out um, with my big news on Sunday. It's part of the reason why this podcast is coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday morning. Um, but yeah, uh, didn't have time to respond to everyone. Uh, I tried to at least give a like to everything I saw on, on social media back, but uh, really, really appreciate it. That's uh, I, I really, really cool that um, all y'all are uh, so supportive and, uh, you know, happy for uh, a big moment in my personal life. Painter Sharpless coming to you from an undisclosed location on the ones and twos producing the greatest volume of Dan Peck's voice, the a, a leveled out showcase of his talents. Painter, how are we doing? 
We are doing very, very well. Very, very well. Wow. The, the auto the auto tune to to keep me uh, at at an acceptable volume was was very expensive. That was a big investment when you guys brought me on board. Yeah, was to have to go get that tech. I forget which country produces that technology. It was very, uh, very rare uh, for a uh, but. But it, it yeah, it seems to be working so far. I am disappointed that Dan has not had an opportunity to recreate his Bane version of how he'll be asking <laughs> questions <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> Well, I I forgot that we uh yeah we did a little bit of I did a little Bane impression before the uh, before the show started. We we can uh, it, I might I He's might gonna just randomly randomly drop Bane voice sometime in this podcast. <laughs> and we're just all gonna have to just be ready for it. Um, I wonder how Tom Hardy feels about his voice uh, and the way that it has been interpreted through pop culture and, and his version of Bane. It, it's funny because like. For any of y'all who have seen the really funny, uh, really good um, Harley Quinn uh, series on uh, on Max, um, it he has a like really like who uh, James Adomian uh, who 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 voices Bane, a, a great uh, voice actor, um, basically does like a satirical version of Tom Hardy Bane in it, uh, which makes it even funnier. Uh, you know. It's got to be the thing he's most famous for, right? Like, are we are we fine with saying that? Well, the Tom Hardy's most famous thing is Bane, probably. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. That's bold. I not would his say... best, but hmm. probably his most famous. Is either that or is is it him being Venom? <laughs> I was going to say those Venom movies are making a lot of money. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of a weird voice, <laughs> the Venom movies. Um, I, I guess it's either that or is is it is it still is... Inception? Is it Mad Max? Oh, that yeah, Fury Road. Good call. Yeah, I think I think it might be. I think it might be Mad Max. Um, folks, we're not here to talk about the assorted could, works of, but we Tom, could Edward be if Thomas we ever Hardy. got enemies of the program off the ground. I, yeah, I could. I could do. I mean, I, I had I had some more stuff queued up. <laughs> I have about a tight fifteen on Tom Hardy. Yeah, I had, I had the Harley. I had some stuff about the Harley Quinn cartoon uh, to, uh, to to disclose, but we can we can save that for the silly Great section. Show. We, yeah, Great show. we can save that for the silly section of the show. Uh, we got a lot to discuss today, gentlemen. Uh, we talked to both Ron Roberts and Philip Montgomery, defense coordinator and offense coordinator, respectively. Um, Auburn got a new commitment. Didn't get KJ Bolden, but ended up pulling off a Jalua Solomon um, commitment that has some people up South Carolina way very upset <laughs> with what with what has transpired. Um, and yeah, uh, more uh talk about uh what we learned uh here from practices uh auburn so the time you're listening to this this is gonna be tuesday morning when it comes out auburn was supposed to practice tuesday morning they pushed that back to tuesday afternoon they rain they want to use the outdoor fields as much as they can even though they've tried to avoid the heat of the day uh whenever they can uh sunday and monday they they practice tuesday they practice uh we will have observations from that if you're a subscriber on Tuesday afternoon, early evening, our next podcast will be on Friday. Dan, um, this pushback time, this pushback time slot, I know is not not the best for for the drive, but um, hoping you're gonna be able to to swing out there. I was able to make the three o'clock uh, viewing window uh, that we had recently before. Was that Friday? Mm-hmm. Because of the weather, we pushed it back. No, three o'clock's not so bad. It was it was during the show. Uh, last fall where it made it to where the easiest thing was to send bill 
uh, on location and have him call in and or go back to the studio while I sort of held things down. Justin, we've had a couple of days of you know being able to watch practice, a couple of viewing windows. The question I ask folks who have been out there, and I want to throw it to you because I think this is deep down what the folks really want. Like, who are the players that have sort of, I mean, have changed your mind at all about what they could do this season based on the first couple of days? Who's caught your eye with with what they've been able? And I know we haven't been able to see much, but just sort of your initial impression of the team these first couple of days of fall practice. Is there is there a name or a couple of names that spring to mind when you, when you hear that question? Yeah, there's a few names uh, that have kind of jumped out to me um, as, oh, wow, you, we need to pay attention to these guys a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to write about a good number of them on Wednesday. I'm going to kind of run down my 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 biggest head turners of the first week of, of fall camp, but we'll discuss them right here. I think the biggest one to me has got to be Jay Fair, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jay Fair, we're looking at a wide receiver room, right? That had uh, went through spring practices and went out and got three guys out of the transfer portal. Now, all three guys, Shane Hooks, Jerry Shorter, Caleb Burton, have all gotten good feedback here in fall camp. It's, you know, those are guys that people are going to, you know, really want to pay attention to. I think hearing Philip Montgomery talk about Caleb Burton today uh, was, was pretty like, the the praise was very very high for him but like if you're looking for separation if you're looking for guys to kind of make a move in that wide receiver room i don't know if we necessarily expected somebody who was already on the team that wasn't necessarily already an established name like a javarius johnson or even a coy moore and moore's had some i think we're i think we're okay to say moore's moore hasn't been 100 percent. you know it's why you might not have seen him out there on some of these lists some of these depth chart things that you've seen um, and like Camden Brown, you know, would be the other one people would imagine. Jay Fair, though, man, like Jay Fair has made him. You have heard coaches, you have heard players, you have seen it with him running with the first team. Like that's a that's a surprise to me. That that really really is a surprise to me because I'm not saying I doubted the kid's ability to play. Um, you know, always had when he came in, a lot of people talked about his speed and all that, and he got some he got some, some decent playing time last year in a few games, but this is dude who only had two catches for 34 yards last season. And in the mix to get in the main rotation at wide receiver, when you're looking at a passing game that needs to find dudes to separate, needs to find dudes who stand out to make make this work this season, that's the one. Like we can talk about the transfers. We can talk about the new guys and they'll all they all deserve praise. But like for a second year dude, remember that's one of my things, second year guys making that leap. Jay Fair being that one is is really impressive to me. No, Jay, Jay Fair is an interesting name, and you're right. Maybe we're hearing more about first-year receivers, you know, guys who came in from the portal, or maybe we're hearing more about you know, the more established ones. But, no, I agree. Uh, seeing Jay Fair, you know, when he he was out there with the ones in one of our first glimpses of the team, and I remember thinking, well, maybe they're just rotating a bunch of receivers, and it's not all that meaningful. But But he's a receiver who... Yeah, it feels like is in the mix. And when we get to see quarterbacks and when we see what looks like the first team, and I understand there's a lot of there's a lot to be decided about what is actually the first team, but no, Jay Fair appears to be in whatever rotation they have going right now at receiver and looks like he'll stay alive as that number 
shrinks whenever it does and, and however it does. You know, Jay Fair, I think, could be. And I mean, yeah, I was I was sort of thinking if you were going to say a receiver, everyone's been talking about Burton. And I think people weren't aware of how strong Jair Shorter appears to be. Yeah, but this is a almost an, a, a tall running back, you know, in in body type understanding what he's done as a wide receiver in his college football career. And Caldwell was blown away when he met Shane hooks about the size of the guy's hands yeah, and referred that's to something he, that that's what something Philip Montgomery also said when, when I talked to him about him right after they signed him, Jason Caldwell referred to them as Dan hands when he was explaining. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So Shane hooks, I mean, that, that is a, that might be the name of the podcast episode. That's high Dan praise. Hands. That That's high praise from, uh, from, from Jason Caldwell, a guy who, you know, that's he's, he's, he's on it with these, uh, with these recruits. But so, so I, and, Dane voice and Dan hands. It would be cheating. Yeah, it's a lot. Lot of me said this is almost an enemies of the podcast episode. Uh, but the uh, the Demari Alston would be cheating, right? To pick him because people were yeah. talking about him so much. Um, I, I, you know, my eyebrows went up a couple of times watching Jeremiah Cobb. Right, like I oh, yeah. thought, okay, he's a true freshman. There's a learning curve. Running backs, though, man. Special true freshman running backs can look like they belong very quickly on the offense. I would, I would pick Jeremiah Cobb as one Mm -hmm. of the guys that that's, you know, come really strong and ready to play. Hey, hey, if if we're on the subject of guys that have kind of surprised us today, again, I don't know where it all fits in the battle, but Holden Garner's had a great first few days of practice in terms of people talking about him, the throws that we've been able to see him make, have been pretty impressive. I know Auburn showed a highlight of him from Sunday's practice where he throws a deep bomb to your guy, Rivaldo Fairweather, um, with defense on him. So, I mean, that's the thing. And I, and I found it really interesting today. I'm, I'm going to read this quote from um, from Philip Montgomery. He's talking about his strengths. He's a natural thrower, zips off his hands, tall in the pocket. You know, He's doing a really good job of all these things. He can spin it, hit small windows, push it downfield. But it, but he said this. This quote is really interesting. He said, but the best part of his game is mentally being on point with what he's got. Because this was the thing we talked about heading into the 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 preseason, heading into camp. Was like, I think the arm talent was very obvious with Holden Garrett. Like teammates, coaches, all that last year, we're talking as when he was a true freshman. It's like, yeah, this dude can make a ton of throws. He's he's a really gifted passer. It's just. Can he do what you need a college quarterback to do at this level right now? And I think another year you're seeing him mentally take that step forward, and the scrimmage is going to be huge for him because they're going to start narrowing down, tightening some things up, moving some things around with this quarterback battle. And Holden, like, I mean, there's not – I don't think there's anything more he could do to this point to, like, keep himself in the conversation. I know it's early. Don't rule anybody out yet. No one's been officially narrowed down yet, but – I really, really like, you know, what I'm seeing and hearing about Holden Garner as a guy that's like, hey, even though he might be third in line in a lot of people's minds, like he's got a he's got a shot to make some noise this year. Yeah, when we were talking about Holden on the most recent podcast, I kicked around a theory of I've I've had since Peyton Thorne committed to Auburn, which is if Peyton Thorne wins this job and if Peyton Thorne is playing the majority of the time at quarterback, does I mean, first of all, what's the what does the battle look like to be the backup between right. Holden and Robbie? 
and does the difference in style between Robbie and Peyton Thorne harm Robbie Ashford in a situation where he's Peyton Thorne's backup or competing to be Peyton Thorne's backup? Because ideally you want to have a, you know, the same offense for the starter and the backup and the best offense for Robbie Ashford may not be the offense that you're running with Peyton Thorne or Holden Gurner right. in the game. What did you think about Philip Montgomery saying that Robbie's passing has taken a step forward? Uh, felt like he had done a lot better with his consistency, especially on the shorter stuff. Yeah, I so both Philip Montgomery and Ron Roberts have been coaching for a long time, as was pointed out by Philip Marshall uh, during the uh, during the press conference. Highlight of um, highlight of fall camp so far is uh, Philip Montgomery calling Philip Marshall baby. That's like I don't know if we'll ever hit a better point this I, this uh, this fall. I'd say I I like Philip Montgomery. Now they both they both have been around Philly a gun. Long, I like Philly Gunn and and they both uh, he's got a little Chipper Jones thing going in the face too. I don't know if you I, I think there's I think there's a okay little, little, little similar like late there. late late career yeah. uh, retirement Chipper. Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of there with with, with Philip Montgomery too. But uh, uh, so they're they're not going to. I don't know if you notice this with Montgomery especially. He didn't want to single a player out unless you asked about that player. Right. Like he, and that's when, when, very head coach background of him. Yeah. And, and that that's on brand uh, for him when he was asked specifically. And he was today. He was asked about all three of the of the scholarship quarterbacks competing to be the starter. I thought he was really complimentary of all, all three of them. And if you if you have a favorite in this battle, you could listen to Montgomery's answer and think, oh, my guy's in great shape no matter who your favorite in the battle necessarily is. Um, right. I, yeah, you know, this is, we, we knew it was going to be tough to name a starter. Trimming this down from three to two is going to be a, a challenge. And that's, I guess, a compliment to Holden as far as yeah. how he's, you know, that, that this isn't, it doesn't seem from our, from where we sit, it doesn't seem like it's obvious as far as who's going to be, who the two will be when Auburn cuts to two in this quarterback battle is like that. That is a testament to how Holden has represented himself in this battle so far. This is, you know, this is really interesting because when you look at, um, when you look at the Robbie answer, talking about his consistency, getting better, his shorter throws, getting better, the Peyton thorn, uh, talk when he says hey he's he's far ahead right now in terms of mentally and we got to get guys to catch up to him remember folks he's new to this thing like he's new to this team but that's what you get when you when you have a dude who started two years at the big 10 level being your quarterback right now and you know it sounded like he along with caleb burton and i'm not saying other guys haven't done this as well but both Caleb Burton and Peyton Thorne got described by Philip Montgomery on Monday as like hey we have to tell them to go home Sometimes, like, because otherwise they'll just stay in the facility all night watching film. And it's like, hey, go home, get get some rest, get something to eat. Like, guys, like, you know, we, we appreciate it, but like, you also gotta, you also gotta tone it down sometimes. For for transfers, you want to play right away. That's exactly what you want to hear. Physically, you know that these guys are talented. They got SEC jobs for a reason. Like, they're they're on an SEC football team for a reason, but. When you're trying to play catch up in a short amount of time, hearing that kind of stuff, and again, Thorne and Burton, um, it's a cliche, but when coaches bring it up, it makes a ton of sense. 
both of those guys are coaches' kids as well. Like they, they have that kind of football IQ. They have that that they have a jump on things. I think than than maybe the average transfer who hops in uh, to you, for, you know, from the summer. And, and look, and I'm wrong all the time. So when I point out, you know, the occasions where I I think about, oh, I I was maybe I was right about that one. <clears throat> it's not it's not trying to get people to think that I'm always right or anything like that. But I I suspected something was off with Calzada from the moment we got to see him mm-hmm. last last fall. And um, so I've been watching Peyton Thorne, you know, especially like just just hoping, like, does anything seem off physically? And my answer through two days would be no. Like this, this seems like no. a guy like where there's there's nothing like th- there was just every time Calzada needed to put any mustard on the ball. It felt like it was like watching Chris Todd before the surgery in mm. in 2008, like something just seemed off until, you know, un- until it was pretty obvious that he was behind TJ and Robbie, you know, going into going into the season or whatever was when they when they finally pulled the plug on it uh, last last fall. Uh, but yeah, for, for Peyton Thorne, like he he seems like he slots right in as a guy who could play and play a lot if if he if he's the best option on the team. Uh, defensive side of the ball, if you want to say the surprise or the the guy that's kind of stood out to me the most that people are talking about, Eugene Asante. Eugene Asante getting some first-team reps at uh, at at linebacker uh, over the weekend. Um, Ron Roberts saying on, uh, on Monday that Asante had done a really, really good job of, of making strides. Um, He's in a spot to compete for a job, a starting job. I think they feel good about Austin Keys. Obviously, Cam Riley has a lot of experience coming back this year. But uh, Eugene Asante, again, this is a dude that when Auburn got him from North Carolina, it was like there was a lot of hype around him as somebody who could make an impact. Some off the field stuff, some stuff out of his control, uh, some you know, some some, some things that uh, he had to work through. You know, kept him away from the field, but. I mean, he's looking more like the guy that that people talked about uh, when he came in. Just at least, at the very least, crack a rotation and, and give you some good value as a, as an ACC, you know, a Power Five transfer that people wanted. Yeah, you mentioned how you like to look at second year freshmen or sophomores, you know, second year players in college football as guys who could break out. You know, sec- sometimes second year transfers, you know, mm-hmm. it it works out a lot better in in the second year than it did in the first year because there's either they got some nagging physical or mental or emotional stuff uh from uh from, from their previous location or it's too much change too soon and they need a transition year to get their feet under them uh, but we've seen we've seen guys produce more in their second year with a program as transfers than than with a first year for for whatever reason and you know I I think that if if uh you know if Eugene Asante joins that list especially at a place like linebacker where it sounds like things are pretty open right now as far as, far as who's going to, you know, who's, I mean, Austin keys seems to be taking a lot of reps, you know, that that's, that's a guy I would keep my eye on too uh, in, in the middle there, but oh, yeah. I'd say oh, yeah. in what, in what Ron Roberts called a linebacker driven defense uh, when, when we got to talk to him, like this is a, yeah, Eugene Asante has, has taken a, uh, has, has taken a real step forward and, and put himself in the mix. Dan, I want to play a game. I hope you're ready to 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 play the game. Time to play the game. So Ron Roberts said on uh, Monday that 
he was asked about, hey, you want 25 guys to contribute for you this year. You feel like you have that depth, not much of a drop-off. You can plug them in and out. He said that they're at the 15 or 16 mark right now. Do we think we can come up with 15 or 16 guys that you feel, hey, this, these are the guys that we know are going to be contributors for Auburn on defense this year? And then, as he said, there are seven, eight guys they got to figure out the tempo you got to play the game with, the way you're supposed to communicate, the consistency to do my job, and those type of things. we got a ways to go, but we've got time to do it. He later said, I don't know if we'll have that by game one, but hopefully it's by game two, three, four, somewhere in there. We'll get to that mark where we've got guys that can play the game and we're not losing anything, no drop-off. It creates a lot of depth on your defense. Dan, do we think we can come up with 15 or 16? Do we Let think me- we can get them? My roster is just out of reach, so fill like ten seconds yeah. while I go get it. But I, think, I think I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, I can. I can fill out. I can fill out ten seconds. You know what I can do while Dan's while Dan's uh, rummaging o- over there. We can take care of some business here real quick. Hi, folks. Uh, if you like what we're doing and would like more of it, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, it is just four dollars a month or forty dollars for the full year. We're running that special between now and the time Auburn kicks off their uh, season opener against UMass uh, at the beginning of next month. Uh, a lot of y'all have hopped on it. Guys, I don't know. I haven't told y'all this. We are at, drumroll please, we are at 56 new subscribers Whoa. since since, uh, since we started this on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're, do- we're doing really, really well. And uh, thanks to all the folks that have given gift subscriptions, told their friends, their family members, uh, and also those of you who are new, welcome aboard. You know, I know there were a couple of you, there was, uh, one of y'all who wrote a review on, uh, and we'll give you instructions about that here shortly, about how you listened to the free podcast and 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 read the free stuff for a while, and you decided to hop on board now, and you're glad you did. A lot of good praise for Dan also oh. uh, in, in, in those reviews, so you might want to scroll through them. Thanks, yeah, everybody. $4 a month or $40 a year, we do this podcast twice a week, so you get the, this one for free, the one later in the week, which will be our, our, our game preview pods. Uh, during the season, you can get that all of our newsletters. So it's your observations from practice, your mailbags, all of the analysis that comes your way. Also, it's football, football, football right now. Men's basketball, keeping an eye on that as always. Got a ton of stuff uh, in the works there. And then any bonus podcasts we do. Uh, we're going to have a food podcast here before the start of the season. I think that might be a game week edition uh, where. We're going to tell folks at home, hey, you're coming to Auburn for these home games at some point this year. You haven't been to Auburn in a while. This is where you need to eat. We're going to do that. That's for subscribers. Currently currently accepting bribes from local restaurants (laughs) that want to be mentioned on the food podcast. Come on. That's not. I mean, I I guess we'll 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 see. We'll see how it plays out. I hope I'm invited to that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you definitely will. Um, And uh, yeah, if you want all of the stuff that we've got sent to your email inbox, it's honestly the best time to sign up that we've ever done four dollars a month for your first 12 months or, or you can just give us forty dollars we'll give you two free months of that sale deal so it's an even bigger deal and get all the stuff emailed to your inbox that way arnoldsover.com there are links uh, in the description there are buttons in the emails super easy to sign up a lot of y'all already have and we are super excited for that um, and hopefully we'll have more stuff to write about here and talk about uh, between now and the start of the season, so you can jump on that deal. All right, Painter, tell the folks at home how they can help out the Observer for no money. 
rate, review, subscribe. Leave us five stars. A line or two will do. Mash that follow button, subscribe button, whatever we're calling it now. Also, like we said, in the month of August, we're going to give a review. We're going to give our favorite reviews, our favorite five-star reviews. We're going to pick out um, a few of them, and those winners will get home field apparel gift cards. So a bunch of y'all have already done it. More and more and more. You've got it all throughout August. This is the this is the time to do it. If you want a chance to win a home field apparel gift card, this is your best shot for from us. Give us a good review. We'll pick our favorites, and uh, and and that will we will do that at the end of the month. Speaking of home field apparel, home field apparel is the only place to get the official Auburn Observer T-shirt. Go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer, and it'll come your way that way. Also, I want to tell you guys. Uh, a new something new here that we need to uh, keep in mind. We've got a new ad here for Homefield. Not necessarily a new ad. Uh, I should say a new code. If you want fifteen percent off your first uh, order at homefieldapparel.com, Observer twenty three. That's Observer two three. When checking out, you will get fifteen percent off your first order from Homefield Apparel. So get all your great Auburn stuff. There's a lot of awesome t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. There's a quarter zip now. Uh, there's joggers. There's plenty of great stuff, Auburn-related and Observer. Got the Observer t-shirt as well at homefieldapparel.com. Observer 23 um, when uh, when you're checking out, if it is your very first Homefield purchase. Got to gear up for the season. And Homefield's got a ton of stuff, including stuff that's not Auburn, if you're going to some other games or uh, got some attachment to some other schools. But 15% off, Observer 2-3. All right, Dan, you got your roster. I think I'm at around 15 or 16 Okay, at, Let's... at the moment. And I there are a couple guys that I've got a little, little marks next to that indicate that they're not quite on my list, but they could very easily be there within the next week. Or so, do you want to start with the defensive line, or do you want to start numerically? So al- right. alphabetically, I have this. I I just wrote for those of your subscribers. I just wrote on Monday a story about the DBs and how Hugh Freeze called them out. We talked to Keontae Scott about that. Just kind of the challenge in this interesting DB room where you've got a lot of the old guard that are trying that is trying to you know improve. Um, and 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 respond to the to the to the challenge um and the high expectations and then you've got this next wave coming up. So I Dan, I feel six in that DB room. I think even Ron Roberts said that today. Um six that I'm just kind of a hundred percent plugged in, like no doubt about it. And they're probably the six that I mean I, I'm guessing you're talking DJ, Nehemiah, Keontae, Donovan, Zion, and Jalen. Yep. That would That's, that would be my guess. Those are the six that I feel super confident about right now, and I assume you have that same six. Th- those those would be the six defensive backs that I've selected too. Um, you know, I'm keeping an eye on uh, on Lee and uh, and and Rim mm-hmm. because yeah. I feel like they're they're probably going to want production from one or both. And I saw of, we've of seen Kaufman. Two. 
we've seen Kaufman play some safety here in the in the preseason, so I think that depth is going to be interesting to, to List, track. Listed as a safety on the official roster. Um, so what? Well, six. Yeah. Would you? I don't know if I would have a true safety. Although uh, I think Jalen is. I think Jalen's officially a corner on that same on that same yeah, roster. But he's and a safety. Seen, yeah, yeah. And he's a safety now. So some of it's just. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's super accurate, but I, but yeah. How do you I mean, feel about how do you feel about linebackers? I mean, this is the tough part, right? Yeah. I mean, here's the I've I've got. Are we counting Jacks as linebackers, or is that a different? Let's position? do let's do inside linebackers okay. first. So the closest I, thing to a hunch on my entire list, I think, is Larry Nixon. Okay. Who I, who I think I think they brought in like that feels like a guy they brought in to play, um, mm-hmm. and and is a one year a one year left guy. That's that's a guy I suspect is maybe I've I've also heard some really positive buzz about what Larry Nixon's been able to do. So I you know that that's a guy I think, but that's that's also maybe the the most negotiable name I think I selected everywhere. We were just talking about Asante. Um, but but that's also sort of a hunch, right? Like even the even the established. I mean, Austin Keys, I guess, would be the linebacker that I would bet most confidently on. Um, I think. But again, like that's that th- these these are this is a dartboard, right? I mean, between Steiner and I don't know where 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 are you on linebacker right now? Do you have any on your list? Austin Keys, I feel I feel really good about Keys, and then it's just kind of like I. Riley, maybe Asante. I feel really good about Keys, and I think I feel really good about Riley. You know, and, and I made a little note because I don't necessarily, I don't have Wesley Steiner on on my list. I don't have to to get into the defensive line, and I'm not. We're not done with linebacker. I don't have Zykevius on my list. Mm-hmm. But to think about those are two of, I'll call them the 100 club. Like those are two of those players that were top 100 players coming out of high school. That you know, but by by recruiting services, the two of the I forget the exact number. I think it's right around ten. Mm-hmm. How, however many players Auburn has that were composite top one hundred players coming out of high school. Uh, th- those are those are two. Robert Woodyard as well, another player who was a top one hundred player coming out of high school. That is, you know, I know it's early in his career, battling for playing time, and you know, one one of a lot of names in a rotation that's going to trim some names pretty soon. As as Auburn tries to figure out who's uh, uh who, who's in line for playing time, but no, I, Austin, I'm I'm with you. Austin Keys, maybe maybe Larry Nixon uh, is is where I am at linebacker. Yeah, I I'm gonna go Riley and Keys, and that's where I would go with that. Uh, Jax, uh, and, and again, the linebacker position is interesting because as Robert said on Tuesday, like or Monday, they're looking for some, they're looking for some separation there. Um. Jax, Elijah, and Jalen, I think are the the ones you've heard a lot about. Elijah McAllister, they sent him to me. I think he's the early down guy, and I think Jalen's the late down guy. And I, and I think Sings would be a guy they'd want there as well uh, to get in there. And maybe it's a, I, you've just heard more about Elijah, and you've heard a lot about Jalen here in, in, in fall camp. Stings strikes me as insurance, you know, especially because he's someone reuniting with his previous coaches and his former head coach, like St- Stephen Sings. If if Elijah McAllister physically, uh, you know, can't can't help, or if if the adjustment to the SEC is too much for McLeod, 
you know, Singh strikes me as sort of an insurance policy. I wouldn't have a problem including him on the list, but I would agree at the moment, the plan to start the year seems to be a mixture of uh, McLeod and McAllister at at Jack and and probably, like you said, McAllister, because he's look, I think Elijah, I want to see Elijah McAllister and Janai Broom stand next to each other. I I'm I think it's very, very close as to who's taller uh, between the two. Uh, but yeah, between McAllister and McLeod, Auburn does have a couple of a couple of different jacks they could potentially use at that position. All right, defensive line, hit me with your group. I'm going with give me I'm betting on the I'm betting on the true freshman, right? Give me Keldrick Falk on on my list. Is it too early to say Keldrick Falk is part of the guys that you feel uh, has has an inside track mm-hmm. to some to some serious playing time? I think I think Keldrick Falk uh belongs. It don't matter Highland Home Alabama. Um so I got Falk, I got Harris, who yep. flies under the radar sometimes. Can I just say, Mark, he looked like a superhero the other day, like getting to see Marcus Harris in, mm-hmm. in our player availability. That seems like a guy who, and I think I asked him about the decision to return, and you know, what he considered. It's, one, it's a question I like to ask upperclassmen who, who were draft eligible, who decided to keep playing college football. And Marcus Harris had some stuff to work on. You know, he talked about it, hearing it from the NFL, and and uh, and he's uh, he's... I don't know. I could see him being maybe at the end of the season, the best defensive player on the team. Like it would, it wouldn't be all that shocking for Marcus Harris to make, to make that kind of jump as good as Auburn has as, as talented as the players are in the secondary. So I would say Falk Harris, Justin Rogers, who speaking of that 100 club Rogers was the top player uh, coming out of high school of anybody on this roster. Uh, he he was the top rated player uh, of, of the, I guess on the, on the composite using the 24 yeah. seven composite yeah, Rogers wow. Rogers was the, num- sense, he was the top rated player on the roster of any now of that, these guys yeah, coming out of that, high school. Now that tanks gone and, and Owen's gone from, from Auburn for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, uh, and then Jason Jones, right. Who people have been, uh, you know, pe- people have been mentioning as well as a guy who, you know, you, you, I think because he's the biggest guy or one of the biggest guys on the team, you know, that's, that's all people think about, but to hear, the steps he's taken to improve mm-hmm. his athleticism, his his lateral movement, stuff like that. Like, you know, if it if that if it clicks for Jason Jones again, second year transfer, played some last year, but could take a big jump in year two. And then I got Marilyn Moe, right? Is is yeah. uh, yeah. Nasilakite uh, yeah. would would be the other would be the the other name I I add to the uh, to the defensive line. I, Dan, I think I think we have the exact same crew except for that linebacker Nixon yeah. Riley like that. So that's 15 or 16. Roberts wanted to get to to 25. We mentioned Lee. We mentioned Rim. We mentioned Asante now as well. That could be another one um, that I could easily have in my group. Uh, Asante, Nixon, you know, right? It's just linebackers are just kind of a wad at this point because then you can mention Steiner. You can mention Robert how, Woodyard. How much bigger do you think the, the D-line rotation needs to be with the names we had? Do you think they want one more? In that mix, along with, so hold on, we we settled on absolutely Falk, yeah. Falk Nasilakite, Harris, Rogers, and Jones, right? Yeah. So five. Yeah, they need they, they need more. They need at least they need at least one more for a good two deep. Um, could use another one. I, Lawrence Johnson uh, would be the one to keep an eye on there. Um, he what got about, some uh, he got some he got some two he got some second team reps the other day that I saw. 
What about Bobby Jamison Travis? Bobby, yeah, Bobby Travis, I think, is another one uh, to keep an eye on. Really high praise from both Marcus Harris and Ryan Roberts for him. So I think I think I think Bobby's another one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, feels, in that early, room. feels early to have him on our list of sure of guys that I would pencil in for playing time right now, but he's on the I'd say he's on the tier of guys moving up. Right, like Robert you, says, he's got if he if he can put it together in a short amount of time, they think he's got the talent to play. Maybe and take a note. Maybe later in the week we talk about who's got the most to gain and lose in the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That could that could be a topic for Thursday or or whenever sure. we tape uh, closer to closer to that scrimmage. But I would say uh, uh, if if Jamison Travis wants to play early, like a strong showing, strong showing in oh, the yeah. scrimmage Saturday, and he's in that he's in that D line rotation. And I mentioned Zykevius. Right, like that—that that would be another one where, you know, it's it's starting to feel like this is th- this is the season where you you make an impact or you 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 know you you consider what you want in your college football career, right? Like th- this is this is that year for for Zykevius and Auburn did just what land a commitment from uh the his fam- little brother from family, yeah, they yeah. get they get the little brother, uh, you know, from, yeah, Jalua uh, Sol- Solomon. A, a recruit that people have been very excited about uh, for a while, a guy that that Auburn has uh, has had their eye on since since the staff moved in, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I, I think it'd be a really cool it'd be a cool story if Zykevius can play, you know, can can make an impact uh, on the field and, and get in that rotation and, and maybe even get to play with his brother. Yeah, I would say if you're looking for that next wave who could break through, Lee Rim, I'll throw uh, I'll throw another safety in there. Uh, I would keep an eye on Marquise Gilbert. Uh, as just an older guy in that room, uh, makes a ton of sense there. Um, linebacker, it's just a lot of linebackers at this point. We mentioned Sings earlier at the Jack line for sure, Zeke, uh, Bobby, and then Lawrence Johnson for we've, for sure. We've kept people posted on JC Hart. He is he is officially a defensive back. Could mm-hmm. be playing corner. Yeah, could could be could be later on. But I think if the battle continues to be the next corner after the top two, you know the the longer. You know that that the more that maybe helps the possibility of JC playing early. Outside of Kay and Lee, who obviously got a lot of a lot of love as as an early arrival, and you know feels like a guy that's going to play this this year for sure at corner. If you're looking for a safety or nickel star, whatever you want to call it, to to get in the mix, uh, hearing good things early about Sylvester Smith and Terrence Love uh, Smith playing that playing that uh, playing that star spot. Uh, with Keontae Scott and Donovan Kaufman. I think Austin Osbury's got some run there as well. Uh, and then uh, Terrence Love. Um, that's a really deep group of, of young guys. Um, and you think about the talent there. You, Dan, I'm just going to say this real quick segue because you just mentioned it. Um, but the pickup that Auburn had of of Julius Solomon, you know, Auburn not a- able to land K.J. Bolden, that would have been, I mean, you're talking about a, a third five-star uh, in 10 days for Auburn. Uh, instead, instead they go get they they have to get a guy in uh in Jalua Solomon who is a composite four star as well. Um, from uh from Georgia, uh, it was top twenty athlete in this class. A lot of people thought he was going to South Carolina. A lot of lot of lot of momentum towards South Carolina. Um, he had unofficially visited uh for Big Cat Weekend and uh you know and made some other visits here. Like we just said, his brother. South Carolina folks are upset that uh, the flip, well, it wasn't even a flip because he never committed, but that was a big move. But six one, good two way player, uh, probably could probably could be a you know SEC level or at least close to it. 
um, on the on the offensive side of the ball. But Dan, I wanted to point this out because I think this is pretty impressive. If you if you look at Auburn's defensive class right now, uh, if you look at if you look at who they got, um, Auburn at the moment has uh, Jalen Crawford, Amon Lane, Jaden Lewis, Jalua Solomon, Kensley Fauston as the uh, as the as their defensive backs in this class, every single one of them are composite four stars. Like when you talk about the blue chip ratio and you talk about strength in numbers and building quality depth and building a roster that can compete with great teams, this is what you're talking about. And, and, and crime dog and Zach Etheridge have done, I obviously Zach Etheridge has done this for years now. Crime has done it every time he's been at Auburn but doing an excellent job of recruiting and developing those guys. And Hugh Freeze is the tip of the spear, you know, with these recruits, sure. right? I mean, that that he's he's very involved. And yeah, you know, I think there were some folks who thought and concerns about Hugh Freeze's ability to recruit when, you know, when he arrived at Auburn, I think were they were it was it's fair to ask the questions. Because well, you know, it, it had been several seasons since he was at Ole Miss, and there were asterisks with some of his uh recruiting at Ole Miss. Uh, but I think some people saw Hugh Freeze attack the portal the way he did, and they thought, "Oh, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to try to be the portal king and build a roster that way." And Hugh Freeze had to do that out of necessity for this season. But I don't think Hugh Freeze imagines a scenario where the nucleus of his team is built around players he acquired through the transfer portal. People forget, you know, this guy. What it was about three weeks between Michael Ower signing with Ole Miss mm-hmm. and Hugh like the, Hugh Freeze has been around major college yeah. football recruiting for a long time and understands what it takes and he's going out and getting the players at the high school level and building the relationships with coaches that could help him land players in the future uh, and I, and I think that's something you know whether or not it works on the field depends heavily on who he brings in and and how they take to the system but. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with what with the success he's been able to have selling his pitch on the uh, on, at the at the high school level before he's ever coached a game here. So while we were doing that thought experiment, that fun little game, um, this is the pleasure of recording something live. Uh, Auburn has switched their practice back to. Uh, Tuesday morning instead of the Tuesday afternoon. So observer subscribers, by the time you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, we might already be out of the practice field. Those observations I thought were going to come later in the day will be a little bit earlier. So keep an eye out. Your inbox is going to be busy on Tuesday morning, but we will have that for y'all. Um, keep your head on a swivel. Weather changes a lot. Uh, Dan, anything else particularly stand out to you from Roberts and Montgomery from Monday that, you know, things garners a, b- a bigger discussion here. I would like not to draw attention to the questions I ask, but I, I would like <laughs> I'd like your thoughts on, you know, I asked Montgomery about his tempo goals for this offense because Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have both operated some high octane college football offenses uh, in, in their day and nothing Montgomery said. Uh, indicates they want to slow it down here, right? Like he talked about the the desire to be an aggressive, fast-paced offense, which is something right. like I don't know where Auburn has been in 
plays per game the last couple of years in the in the in the I don't know where they've been the last couple of years in the conference, but my guess would be not near the top. Uh, you know, but based on based on some of the other teams in the in the league, so yeah, I can understand why that's something that Freeze and Montgomery would want to uh would want to try to change. Auburn was 77th last season in plays per game, according to uh, team rankings. That is 69.5 snaps per game. The SEC teams that were that had fewer snaps than them are Vanderbilt, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, and A&M. So middle, middle of the road. Still bottom half, I think, if I did my math right there. But yeah, middle of the road. Um, the year before that, Auburn was at uh 49th. So they did they did get slower last season, uh, for sure. Um by comparison, if you look at last season um in college football, uh the Tulsa uh the, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane were 36th in pace or plays per game, if you want to say that. Uh, in the country, and Liberty was 51st. So faster than Auburn, not breakneck like Texas Tech, uh, what they've done. Uh, I wouldn't even say like what Lane Kiffin's done in the past, what uh, what others have done in these super, super high-speed high, high speed offenses. It, pace doesn't necessarily work as much as it used to. The game has changed. Defenses have adapted. The rules have been tweaked uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they play fast and then, and then when you hear Ron Roberts say as well, we got to get our defense to play fast. And I think that's a lot on the mental side for a defense where it's like, Hey, don't think too much. Just trust, like know what you're doing, know the calls, know your assignments and be able to play that at a high speed. That's what they're looking to do. And that's one of the things, you know, Robert said, the scrimmage on Saturday, the two things he wants to see out of his defense, two benchmarks. thought this was a really good question from a friend of the uh, program, Nathan King, asking him about what he wanted to see in the scrimmage. First one was eliminate pre-snap mistakes, mental errors. And then number two was play at a faster pace, play at a higher speed at a higher level. And so, like, Dan, like, we saw this in the spring, and it's rolled into the fall. Auburn's practices are just quicker now. Like, they are moved faster between drills like the on-field work is done at a higher pace because even though Auburn might not be pure breakneck you know speed under this coaching staff it's going to be faster than what they've done recently and that's a key like when they're clicking that's a key to both Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery's identities and defensively you, you have to be able to do that to survive and about about Auburn's pace last year I don't know if you necessarily wanted to go at a really fast pace with your offense or if you you wanted to try to control the ball and control the clock and trust your defense. You know, there were even times last year where, you know, I thought Auburn could have done a better job of throttling back offensively and trusting the defense Mm -hmm. to hold their own rather than gambling on the offense, putting the defense in a less than advantageous position. I would think people's ideas about, freeze in Montgomery well while what they did at Liberty and Tulsa is relevant because it's their most recent work I think people are also thinking about Ole Miss and Baylor right and what those what those offenses did when right. when, when 
Hugh Freeze, you know, had had those those most his most explosive Ole Miss teams and Philip Montgomery with some of those record setting Baylor offenses. You know that that the RG three Heisman year is on the short list, right? Of the the greatest individual seasons anyone has ever had in college football. So yeah, I think there's that. There's you know people have these big dreams about what kind of offense could be produced if these guys harness their powers and get the right players in the mix. But yeah, I mean, Auburn's going to, I think they're, they're going to, I would certainly expect nothing less than an aggressive attack from a, a pair of guys like Hugh Freeze and, and Philip Montgomery based on what they've done in their careers. Yeah. I'd like to point out that 2013 at Baylor, uh, which was, I believe when Philip Montgomery, um, was nominated to the, for the Broyles Award. I don't love yards per game as a stat. I think yards per play is a better metric, and and they were third that year. But Baylor, Baylor averaged six hundred and eighteen yards per game that year. Averaged six hundred yards per game. Like they had eight hundred and sixty four yards in a game against West Virginia. They did seven eighty one in back to back weeks. They had two other seven hundred yard games that year. Like that, and and that was back. I mean, they were running 80, 90, close to 90 plays a game, 80, 80 plus, 90 plus plays per game when they did that. I, I would doubt you don't do see that as much anymore, but we, we shall see. I believe, uh, I suspected it and I looked it up. It's true. Lake C strunk rushed for nearly 1200 yards on that, on that 2013 Baylor team. So this back to back episode. We're back to Lake C strunk. We're back to Lake C Strunk. In oh, the by the way, by the way, I'll get a que- I'll get a question to Philip Montgomery about Lake C Strunk. You mark you mark my words. I will get a I, question I, up about Lake C Strunk. Shock Linwood was on that team as well. You remember Shock Linwood? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, by the way, we talked about this a while back uh, with I mean, not too long ago about the the Michael Dyer Lake C Strunk um, uh, class, and I forgot to mention Marcus Lattimore. And that was because that was back when running backs were still running backs are all purpose backs, and that's where I that's where I screwed up and looking back. But yeah, Marcus Lattimore, that was the other one. You know, Auburn fans really, really wanted that year. Yeah, I, I remember some of the recruiting folks being pretty cold on whether or not Auburn could pull Lattimore out of South Carolina because there there were folks that had just been pushed. That. And st- I I recall Stephen Davis being like a mentor. To Marcus Lattimore, which had some Auburn people feeling really good, but it's like Stephen Davis is also a, a local out there who's, you know, the guy's got to live. So, yeah, Lattimore was another one where, yeah, it just seemed like uh, you're you watching a, a generational talent at, at the position and and at his best at South Carolina, that's what he was. So, um, another one I wanted to mention before we we move forward, offensive line, uh. So far, we have seen a, a, a first five of Wade, Johnson, uh, Jones, Stutz, and Britton from left to right. I wonder how much we'll see. Like Again, by the time you're listening to this, we might already be out of practice or later than that. Uh, you might be listening to this much later. But like, I wonder if that changes up, if that moves around, because Montgomery talked a lot uh, on Monday about you got to play as a unit with that group. Right, you could put the best five out there, the 
usually for offensive line, you know, coaches will tell you, you want your best five, maybe not your best five as a unit, maybe not necessarily your best five individual players. If, if the five individuals don't work as well as the best five cohesively, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what they're going to be looking for. And I, I do wonder how much we're going to see shaking up at the guard spot. Cause I, I would imagine rotation competition that that's a big one. You know who the tackles in the center are going to be uh, when it's all said and done, I think, but what does that guard look like guard situation look like? And then in, in week two, how much do we see some changes there? Yeah. My, my guess is maybe even more than the quarterback position. Those, those battles to be the guards could continue into the season and maybe even well into the season where yeah, don't be surprised if, if it's that close between four guys, maybe they'll have a quick hook if a guy's not playing well and they think that his backup could come in and give them an immediate upgrade. And between Tate and Jeremiah and Cam and Muskie and m- maybe Connor Lou is in that mix as well, although I still have this I can't shake the feeling that they probably want Connor Lou to be the mm-hmm. backup center. And even if they could steal it, take a red shirt this year, although they might play him enough on special teams and find ways to get him in the game that a red shirt's off the table for, for Connor Lou. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But it sounds like they have four guards for two, two spots and very little separation uh, at the moment between the four of them. So, yeah, that's another. You know, we'll circle back to it closer to the scrimmage, but that's another one where ooh, a, a good showing or a bad showing could, you know, in the, in, in the first two scrimmages could really play a huge role in deciding uh, what guards are out there uh, to, to start the to start the UMass game. Anything else? Anything else that hops out to you? I was going to we ran out of time. I was going to ask Philip Montgomery about the tight end room just because. Mm-hmm. You that, want to hear that, more about Rivaldo? Well, no, it's not just about <laughs> Rivaldo. I mean, I think there. I I imagine that he would have something to say about Rivaldo if asked directly. But also, I mean, doesn't that feel like a spot where there are four, maybe even five scholarship players, where if they were the number one right now, you'd be sort of intrigued about what kind of season they're going to have. But instead, it's a big, deep, talented room with with the deal and from and Frazier still around. And and we were, I think we said on a previous podcast, Brandon Frazier is one of the really impressive looking guys mm-hmm. out there from the, from the first couple of days. Uh, but, but Micah Riley as well, uh, who yeah. is, you know, I, I think, I think he's, he's somebody that, that folks will mention uh, when they talk about guys who have had a really strong off season and taken steps to, uh, to improve their chances of playing time. So yeah, how you, how you deploy all these guys, how you figure out who plays, and and who maybe waits another season for their opportunity? Uh, yeah, that's that's got to be something Philip Montgomery considers. The the interesting thing there with the tight ends is that you've got several guys that are coming up at the end of their careers, and it's just the skill sets are so different. Like we know what Rivaldo Fairweather skill set is. Like his skill set's different than what the other guys have. I found it interesting. Micah Riley was getting some second team reps uh, when we when we saw him out there at practice. He's a guy that I think not to take anything away from Deal or from or, or even Frazier, I think he's got more receiving upside. It might not all kind of come out this year, but I think he's, I think he's got a little bit more receiving upside than some of those older guys in that room outside of Rivaldo. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I think, I think the, the way they use Rivaldo and then the way they use all the other guys sort of correspondingly 
is something I'm looking forward to finding out more about as we as as we see more of the team and as we see the team take the field. Like I, I would be so tempted to play Luke Deal all the time because of his blocking. Like I think that's a guy who brings right. a ton. You can't but but we we saw this with some of Malzon's teams, right? You don't want to have a player who plays so situationally that, that you're not, the, yeah. you're tipping off to the defense what's happening with whether or not he's on the field. Or right? if so it, you're or if you're in a spot, or if you're in a spot I would say if you know maybe not necessarily tipping your plays, but just like say it's a passing play and you know that dude is not going to be as much of a threat downfield. You know, you want to be able to say Hey, we can put five guys. We can put a maximum of five guys out in a pattern. All five of them need to be able to be threats to the defense in order to maximize what your offense can do. Absolutely, and and um, I, I feel like there was a there was a was a Chandler Cox. I feel like there was a Malzahn year where, like, if Chandler Cox was on the field, there was an overwhelming chance it was a run. Yeah. And if he wasn't, there was a a, a much better than average chance that it was a passing play. It's like the Jalen Harris years. Yeah, it just I feel like to me that's a that, that's a you know that that's outdated in in college football. The defenses are too aware of you know maybe there was a time when that worked right, especially if you had much better talent than your opponent. Sure, you, know, you could you could telegraph to that degree, but but Auburn won't have that kind of of talent advantage very often uh, this season. So no, you gotta you gotta mix it up more than that. And yeah, how you use Luke Deal or Tyler Fromm accordingly. Uh, is uh is, is a real question because because deal is while acknowledging that I, I don't even know how many receptions he has in his Auburn career Luke deal and and off the off the top of my head I, I imagine it it wouldn't be all that many compared to how much he's played because they've they've used him as a, a blocker uh so often but 14. Luke, he's got 14 catches in in his career so yeah, yeah I, I don't know what kind of what kind of downfield threat or receiving threat Luke Deal really is, uh, but for a for a team that wants to get things going on the ground, I know that he can be an absolute sledgehammer at times, and and there were metrics to show that. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how uh, you know how how Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery use a uh, use a player like that. I'm also very curious about Rivaldo, but it's a different kind of curiosity than how you use because they're they're different tools in the toolbox, right? A Rivaldo, you know, it, it may, may not use him for the same kind of job that you use a, uh, a Luke deal for. Like I said, uh, Auburn will it's, have it's a scalpel versus a lead pipe. Yes. Right? It's, you know, it's not, not, not for the same job. Oh, scalpel versus lead pipe might end up being the podcast episode title too. Like I said, Auburn's got a uh, practice on Tuesday. They're off on Wednesday and then Thursday as well. They'll have a practice. We'll have observations from Tuesday and Thursday's windows in your inboxes as soon as we get them done. Uh, so the schedule might be floating. It's already moved around a couple times from Auburn's perspective here this week. Um, mailbag back on Friday, folks. Uh, if you want to send in your mailbag questions, uh, send them in. Uh, email them to me. It's in the bio or your reply to any email you get from us. That can be a mail a way to get a mailbag. Tweet them at me at jfergusonau. Uh, we will answer them. That will run on Friday. That will be also our next podcast, which we will talk about the viewing windows at practice. Uh, that'll be the premium pod just for subscribers. We'll talk about the practices, what we learned from the week, and we will preview scrimmage number one for Auburn here in fall camp. So that ought to be a fun one and a busy one. That'll do it. Subscribe. $4 a month or $40 a year. AuburnObserver.com. That'll do it. Painter, 
checking in now. Final thoughts. Dan, what's on tonight? Oh, man, we're back. Ooh, ooh, it is. Um, you know, I, I sometimes, and this is this is for the folks, this is a free episode? Yes. All right, so I'm not going to recommend something that's behind a paywall. I might have recommended this before. Um, did we talk about when Alan Arkin passed away? Um, a, a sensational actor. Uh, believe believe he passed away earlier this year. Right, I don't have the exact date on me, but but folks might know him from Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, he mm-hmm. won an Oscar, won an Oscar for his performance there, but but did outstanding work for a while. He is one of a ton of actors in Glengarry Glen Ross, which if you've never seen Glengarry Glen Ross before, it's about New York real estate salesman. It's based on a David Mamet play, a uh, famous movie from the early uh, early nineties. Alec Baldwin shows up and uh, and and has a, a dynamite op- one of the great first 15 minutes of a movie you, you'll ever see. Glengarry Glenn Ross is free with ads on YouTube right now as part of Google's, you know, make, making some movies available. If you have a premium subscription or the TV thing, I think you can watch it for free or w- without the ads. But if you've never seen Glengarry Glenn Ross before, I would uh, I would I would recommend it uh, to uh, to people who, uh, who, who I mean, that, that is a. What Pacino, Ed Harris, Kevin Spacey, Jack Lemon, who was like the best actor in the world uh, b- before he uh, passed away. It's a uh, Jonathan Price is great in a couple of scenes. So, yeah, if you've never seen uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross like that is Justin, have you seen Glengarry? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's it's I mean, just a, a, a murderer's row of actors, one of the great one of the great casts assembled in the mm-hmm. 1990s, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Dan, I uh, I watched Oppenheimer again. Second time. Second what, viewing. Where, where is it? Are you ready to like where? Where do you have it on your mammoths? Like, where would you put it on your list of? I uh, what's your favorite? What's your or not? Mammoths, Nolan. I'm sorry. No one's. Yeah, I was just talking about David Mammoths. Where do we, you have it on your ta- Nolan's list? We, we asked. We, we, I asked you this. Why the prestige is up there for me. And I know it's not everybody's favorite, but I go with the prestige a lot. It might end up being my favorite Nolan. I think I think Oppenheimer, the way I mean, it's not for everybody. It's not a perfect movie. Uh three hours is 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 a while, but I think it really earns its runtime, which is not what you can say about a lot of modern movies. Um the second time watching it, when you know all the characters and you kind of understand where the framing is and, and kind of where the thing's going, and you can really kind of absorb more of the cinematography and the sound and really kind of study that and, and, and do that. Like Nolan absolutely in his bag on this one, Ludwig Gorenson's score. I keep going back to it. Um, it's something that I play while I write all the time now, uh, cause it's so good. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I really, really, um, enjoyed the, the, the second watch of, uh, of Oppenheimer. I think Downey Jr. is going to win his first Oscar as best supporting actor. I think he's. I'm going to probably see it again. But that's a. I, I, oh I yeah, that's a that's a good. I, that's. A good I would one. imagine it could be Downey Jr. versus uh, Ryan Gosling for a Barbie. That could be. That could be. Dude, Gosling best. should. Gosling deserves a, a, a something for that movie. That could be your best supporting actor competition. So we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, I, but- I want to see. I want to see. I want to see what ends up being what we end up getting out of Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, because I feel like that one's just going to be. Watch out! You're right. That that's that's also a, a player. If that's assuming, my next one, that's my uh, next one. I think I'm super excited for. Like the second Dune. I don't know what order those come out in, but Dune two. Well, you well you raise that. There's also the possibility that some of this gets pushed back 
with the strike. You know, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. here's, here's hoping here's hoping everything gets released on time and sure. that thing can be solved. Um, right. Also, William William Freed pay the pay away. the actors, folks, folks. W- pay the actors, dr- pay the pay the writers. Yeah, solidarity, solidarity. But the um, sure. uh, William Friedkin passed away, the uh, director of yes. The Exorcist and uh, and and the French Connection, and he was a, a brilliant filmmaker who was really entertaining and off the cuff. He made a movie called To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, in the 80s that's got a long long car chase and a great score by wang chung so oh, wow. yeah music by wang chung is a great credit to see yeah, yeah pop up oh and this thing is just drenched in neon so yeah see to live and die in la or the exorcist if you've never seen it uh, although that one's not for everybody either uh justin but yeah see see the exorcist no, if you've never not. seen it before and um and, and i'd say the french connection as well and, and r.i.p to uh to, to billy friedkin uh, one of my uh, one of my favorites ever. 